Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, energy systems, water supplies and transportation hubs. New details revealed Chinese hackers had access to the critical infrastructure for at least five years and are looking for ways back in. A China-born engineer turned U.S. citizen now charged with stealing secret government technology. More on his links to Beijing. How did U.S. know-how end up in Iranian weapons? A Homeland Security official is pointing the finger at China for repacking and shipping tech to Washington's top adversaries. And a big change in global trade for the first time in two decades. America imported the majority of its consumer goods from a different source. Who's the new supplier? Here's a hint, it's not China. A hidden threat busted wide open. Chinese hackers broke into the computer networks of some major U.S. water, energy and transportation systems. And they had that access for at least five years. The back door could have allowed them to disrupt U.S. water supplies and energy controls. The compromised facilities are located across the U.S., including in Guam, the home of an American naval base. Last week, U.S. officials said they cut off the Chinese hackers' access to the systems, but warned that the hackers are looking for new ways to get back in. The information comes from an advisory published by U.S. security agencies, including the FBI and the National Security Agency. It's a warning to U.S. critical infrastructure facilities about the rising China threat. The threat is a long-term concern. Chinese hackers have been looking for ways to take down America's power grid and oil pipelines should a conflict break out. China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if and when China decides the time has come to strike. Low blows against civilians are part of China's plan. The Chinese hacking group is called Volt Typhoon. They work by breaching small businesses and local government networks and finding ways in through vulnerabilities in routers, firewalls and VPNs. Hackers stole the administrator credentials used to maintain the systems. In some cases, they got their hands on the surveillance cameras in some facilities. Concerns are rising that America's critical infrastructure isn't ready for the China threat. It has a list of problems, like poor password management and lack of security updates, plus not enough funding to hire security services. A China-born engineer caught red-handed allegedly stealing secret technology made for the U.S. government. Chinese engineer Gong Chengguan was arrested on Tuesday in California. Authorities believe he transferred more than 3,600 files from the research company he had been working for to personal storage devices. Some of those files include blueprints for infrared sensors built to detect nuclear missile launches and track ballistic and hypersonic missiles. What's more, court documents show that Gong has applied for China's state-backed talent programs while working under severe U.S. tech, while working under several U.S. tech firms. Beijing has been actively recruiting foreign-trained scientists through the initiative. Officials also said Gong previously stated that he would contribute to Beijing's, quote, high-end military integrated circuits. Gong was released on a $2.5 million bond on Wednesday and is now waiting for his next trial. 
He could face up to 10 years in prison. Beijing is touting its artificial intelligence research, unveiling an AI-driven entity it claims is as capable as a three- or four-year-old child. And the scientist responsible spent nearly 30 years in the U.S. before going back to China. The AI entity is called Tongtong, or Little Girl. Scientists say Tongtong can learn autonomously, give itself tasks, and analyze the space it's in. The project also represents a new kind of test for measuring AI abilities. The Tong assessment looks at how an entity responds to both social and survival needs and scores them in five areas – vision, language, cognition, motion, and learning. Scientists suggest the goal is to integrate the AI creation seamlessly into human environments. The project was unveiled by the Beijing Institute for General Artificial Intelligence. Its director, Zhu Songchun, is a former UCLA professor. He returned to China in 2020 after spending 28 years working in the U.S. and established the China-based institute soon after. He's known for his work in general artificial intelligence and self-driving robots. A warning from Homeland Security, some of America's top adversaries are looking to steal advanced U.S. technology and use it to attack American allies. The hint was found among recovered Iranian drones taken from battlefields in Ukraine and the Middle East. The debris reveals they were equipped with American-made sensitive microelectronics and communication systems. The latest warning comes from Jim Mancuso. He's an assistant director at Homeland Security Investigations. Beyond Iran, Mancuso says China and Russia are all attempting to illegally acquire U.S. intellectual property, despite repeated warnings from Washington. As for how they do it, Mancuso revealed that China repacked U.S. sanctioned goods, transforming them into what looked like non-sensitive products, and shipped them to Iran. For instance, microchips and other tech might be packed into common household radios. The same practice has reportedly been used in China to Russia trade. Speaking about the U.S. export law violations, Mancuso said his department is trying to stay one step ahead. Further north, Canada is joining the effort to safeguard cutting-edge technology. On Tuesday, Ottawa announced a new list of universities that have links to defense and security entities run by foreign companies foreign countries. The measure bans scholars from those universities from accessing Canada's most sensitive intellectual property. Most of the listed universities are based in China, with a few from Iran and Russia. Beijing is trying to match Taiwan in chip technology through cheating and stealing, but the effort is failing. That's the word from Taiwan's new envoy to the U.S. as he backed Washington's export curbs against China. Here's what he said on Wednesday. We have found out that PRC doesn't really play by the rules, and, and they cheat, and they steal technology, etc. So by imposing these uh, uh, measures uh, towards PRC, I think is is needed, and also it's an effective way to hopefully uh, make PRC uh, comply by, by these set of rules that we all follow. Despite the curbs, recent reports say Chinese chipmakers expect to make next-generation smartphone processors as early as this year. But Yu cast doubt on whether this was viable, saying China has tried for years to reach Taiwan's levels of success in the chip-making industry. They've hired executives, engineers, uh, large numbers of them to try to uh, form their own company and replicate uh, the, uh, the production facilities, of capabilities uh, from Taiwan. Uh, but they haven't been able to do so.
A spokesperson for the Chinese embassy in the U.S. called Yu's claims ill-intentioned, saying, quote, China's scientific and technological achievements are never made through cheating and stealing. Our development is always built on our own strength. Yu arrived in Washington in December to take up the role as de facto ambassador, replacing Xiaobi Kim, who's now Taiwan's vice president-elect. Yu told Reuters he's found overwhelming bipartisan political support for the island. And he hopes Congress will pass a recent Senate bill that's offering allies billions of dollars to fend off Chinese aggression. Any means that helps Taiwan better protect itself or defend itself or to acquire more uh, military hardware uh, is, is welcomed. However, the bill is tied to thornier issues such as U.S. border security and as being stalled by Republicans who want tougher curbs on immigration. From five years of lurking inside critical U.S. networks to continued technology theft, what are the risks of Beijing's long-term quiet infiltration for U.S. security? And with Iran, China and Russia all vying for a slice of the American technology pie, how can Washington effectively thwart theft by U.S. adversaries? To discuss, we sat down with Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent for the Epic Times. Now, given the new report that Chinese hackers have lurked in some U.S. infrastructure systems for at least five years and are ready to launch potential cyber attacks at any time, how concerning do you find the duration of their presence in critical U.S. infrastructure? This is really, I think, one of the key issues at play here, you know, is how long these basically Chinese state-backed malware was allowed to persist and pose a threat in U.S. systems. Uh, this particular hacking group, Vault Typhoon, was really only came to the public's eye last year after Microsoft published a report saying that it may have gone back to 2021. And this new revelation that this could have been in our systems for five years is really devastating. It's actively preparing the ground for a, a potential conflict with the United States. You know, they said quite explicitly that this was designed uh, to go hand in hand with a military attack. In other words, to deter us uh, from joining, say, an invasion of, into the defense of Taiwan during a CCP invasion. Expanding on that note, in another report, a top DHS official said that Iran, China and Russia are all attempting to illegally acquire U.S. technology. That's after sensitive U.S. materials are showing up overseas, such as Iranian weapons. How do you view the actions of this new axis of evil? There is increasing coordination from leadership in North Korea, in China, in Russia, in Iran. And that coordination is really turning into tangible military and economic benefits for these four powers who are increasingly working together with each other to insulate their economies from dependencies in the West. So I think that's the real threat here is that it's not just, oh, North Korea's, you know, testing a missile again, or, oh, Russia's trying to annex something else. It's all these powers are working together now. On that note, how can the U.S. prevent these adversaries from attempting or even stealing our technology? And the fact is, there's no one unilateral policy that the United States can implement that's going to save us or insulate us from all this hostility. It's going to take a concerted effort with us and our allies, building new alliances, forging new partnerships, essentially setting the standards of what we will and will not do and who we're willing to work with and how. 
Over a hundred websites disguised as local news outlets trace back to a public relations firm run by the Chinese Communist Party. A digital watchdog based out of the University of Toronto has uncovered a global influence campaign pushing content from the Chinese regime. Websites spanning 30 countries are mixing CCP propaganda with local news. The websites are set up to look like local media outlets. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg reports. Digital watchdog Citizen Lab found pro-Chinese regime articles and propaganda being pushed on 123 websites in 30 countries under the cover of local news. Chinese Communist Party content is mixed in with local headlines, with content shifting between conspiracy theories about the U.S. and its allies to articles attacking CCP critics. The new report from the Toronto-based group released Wednesday dubs the campaign Paper Wall. Researchers say the websites are quickly multiplying with an adaptiveness to local languages and content and warn of a heightened risk of inadvertent amplification by local media and target audiences despite having low reach so far. Citizen Lab traced the network to CCP public relations firm HiMai and says the influence campaign started in 2020. Most of the content Citizen Lab found was from a press release service called Times Newswire. Analysts at cybersecurity firm Mandiant found Times Newswire at the root of another CCP influence operation targeting U.S. audiences last year. Tech giant Meta last year reported China's influence operations were the most notable change in the threat landscape since 2020, and that operations were on the rise and expanding well beyond Asia. Citizen Lab dug deeper into the network after a series of the sites popped up in South Korea and Italy. South Korea's National Security Center exposed 18 of the sites in a report in November, also linking the operation to HiMai. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. In a trade shift not seen for two decades, the U.S. swapped China for Mexico as its top source of goods in 2023. The shakeup appears in new data from Wednesday, reflecting that Mexico now holds the status of America's top source of official imports. The major shift underscores both the Chinese market's failure to recover post-pandemic and the diplomatic tensions between Washington and Beijing. Here's the breakdown. Mexican exports to America held steady last year, totaling $475 billion. At the same time, Washington dropped its purchases from China by a whopping 20 percent, with total value falling to $427 billion. The data mirrors the U.S.-China trade level from about 10 years ago. To fill in that gap, American companies also turned to nations, including Europe, South Korea, India, Canada, and Vietnam, sourcing auto parts, raw materials, and other products from them as well as Mexico. U.S. imports also fell overall, with shoppers opting to buy fewer goods than in past years. That's amid a push to de-risk global supply chains. U.S. interest in buying from China taking a plunge. Its trade deficit with China has dropped to its lowest point since 2010. Data from the Commerce Department shows that last year, the figure made up just 1% of U.S. GDP, something that hasn't happened in over two decades. Former President Trump and President Biden have worked to curb the U.S. trade deficit with China and expand trade with allies and partners. Back to the report, U.S. trade deficits with Germany, Italy and the Netherlands are hitting new highs. And speaking of trade with Germany, predictions say the U.S. will beat out China as Berlin's biggest trade partner by next year. That's if the current trend continues. The message comes from the head of foreign trade at the German Chamber of Industry and Commerce. China's trade with Germany topped America's by just a hair last year, with a difference of around $700 million.
Coming up, outrage is exploding in China over soccer star Lionel Messi's absence from a Hong Kong-friendly match. Rounds of condemnations pouring in from bloggers and state-run media. But what sparked the reaction? Major Chinese banks cutting transactions with Russian clients amid suspected fears of Western sanctions. And a shifting global landscape with the emergence of a new Indo-Pacific bloc. Our guest explains how it could act as a hedge against communist China. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Argentine soccer star Lionel Messi is back in China's spotlight, but this time it's not for glory. Instead, he's getting drenched by a round of criticism from fans and authorities. Here's the story. A round of condemnations targeting Lionel Messi. Online footage shows a man kicking a cardboard cutout of Messi in the face. And here's a blogger cutting and tearing his Messi jersey collection to shreds. But what triggered the outrage? It all stems from an incident last week when tens of thousands from across Hong Kong flocked to a stadium to witness a friendly match featuring the Argentine soccer legend. But the game ended on a sad note after Messi failed to make it to the pitch, reportedly due to injuries. Days later, his appearance in another match in Japan unleashed rage across Chinese media, seemingly with no injuries in sight. Beijing's state-run tabloid Global Times said the impact of Messi's no-show in Hong Kong had, quote, far exceeded the realm of sports. What's more, the outlet's former chief editor posted this clip on X, showing Messi walked past Hong Kong's chief executive John Lee without shaking his hand. Worth noting, Lee is known for his pro-Beijing stance and has received multiple approvals from the CCP. This round of outrage comes as Hong Kong seeks to restore its image, which has been damaged by its crackdown on pro-democracy demonstrations in 2019. The United States is accusing Russia of firing at least nine North Korean-supplied missiles at Ukraine. In reply, Moscow labeled Washington a direct accomplice in the downing of a Russian military transport plane last month. Today, we possess irrefutable evidence that a Patriot phased-array tracking radar for intercept on target, surface-to-air missile, was used to carry out the strike, which leaves no doubt that Washington is a direct accomplice in this crime as well. We have seen the news reports of a strike hitting a bakery in Russia-occupied eastern Ukraine with at least 28 killed on February 3. While we are unable to independently verify that information, the United States laments all civilian casualties and expresses its sincerest condolences to the families of any civilians killed. Russian and U.S. officials traded the accusations at a U.N. Security Council meeting on Ukraine. The sit-down was requested by Moscow. Russia has stepped up ties with North Korea and other countries hostile to the U.S. since the start of the war with Ukraine. Those relations are a source of concern for the West. It's been two years since China and Russia announced a friendship without limits in February 2022, days before Vladimir Putin launched the invasion of Ukraine. Likewise, China, Russia and North Korea have also been enhancing trilateral ties. The triangle has sparked growing concerns among democratic countries. Back in October, U.S. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell described the rising partnership between the three countries as the new axis of evil. 
Bad news for Russia. A major Chinese bank has suspended all transactions with Russia. Russian exporters make up some of the bank's major clients. Other Chinese banks are also tightening their restrictions, making it harder for Russian companies to move money in and out of China. Russian media reports say Chinese banks might be concerned about getting hit with Western sanctions if they do too much business with Russia. That's after big powers in the West slapped crippling sanctions on Russia after Putin waged war on Ukraine. Since then, Russia has leaned ever more on China. Trade between the two hit over $240 billion last year, an over 26% increase. Almost half of Russia's oil exports go to China. And a third of Russian exports use China's currency, the yuan, to settle payments. The Kremlin said it's addressing the problem with China. Global architecture is changing, and it's tied to an emerging new block in the Indo-Pacific. That's according to Gregory Copley, the president of the International Strategic Studies Association. NTD's Kevin Hogan sat down with Copley for more. Well, the... South, Southwest Pacific has largely been uncoordinated and neglected in many respects. There's always been the Pacific Islands Forum, which is uh, a block of 18 states, including Australia, New Zealand, and the smaller island states of the Southwest Pacific. But now there's a move by the uh, Prime Minister of Fiji, Sitaveni Rambuka, to make this something more significant, something more cohesive and in, uh, in, in its negotiating powers. So he's proposing to take the Pacific Islands Forum to the next level, if you like, and create what he's called his Ocean of Peace uh, uh, concept, which is really going to be to create a commonwealth among those 18 states with some kind of unified geopolitical uh, oversight and negotiating capabilities. Uh, the People's Republic of China is going through a lot of ructions at the moment and is expected to implode economically over the coming year or two. And that is going to cause some uh, chaos in the region for which the regional states will have to be prepared for loss of trade and the like. But also there's a great fear that at that particular point, the United States itself will lose a lot of its concern and interest in the Indo-Pacific simply because it's not worried about the China threat anymore. So what they're trying to do is to get a stable, coordinated bloc which cooperates far more internally than it has done in the past. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.